This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to TF3. Uh, we are doing one of those off-season podcast things where uh, we talk about all the news that's been going on. There's been a lot of tournaments later on. Adam is talking to a journalist for us about the Under-21 Championships going on out in Poland. Uh, joining us to discuss everything else in the news uh, is Dave O'Brien. That man, welcome back. How was your holiday? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I got sunburn. I, I just realised I got sunburn on my feet as well, so today's been a little bit uncomfortable, to say the least. How but you, you know, that's what you do when you sit on a beach. What beach you go to? I just went to one, on, one in Bournemouth. Um, it's quite good. Lovely. Um, yeah. No numbers for a week? No. Um, uh, some numbers for a week. Some Not as much holidays I should have had off. Yeah, partial numbers. The problem is, when you go on holiday at this time of year and then the Ronaldo headline breaks, the Morata headline is coming hard, mm. you, you've got to come back and sort of deal with it. Exactly. That's exactly what you've got to do, Lawrence. It's only a, it was a four-day holiday, Yeah, at uh, the least. Uh, of course, you can go over and hear the latest on that Statman Dave football podcast, and uh, there's a video on Ronaldo coming out soon, Dave? There is, yeah. The Statman Dave podcast is currently on hold um, for maybe another week or so, um, but there is loads of stuff on my YouTube channel as well to, you know, Ronaldo, Murata, not Ronaldo yet, but Ronaldo will be this week, Murata, Lindelof, if you don't know anything about him, so make sure you go and jump over and check that out. Uh, without the podcast being here, uh, we'll talk to you a little bit about all three of those signings later on. Um, but yeah, in a week's time, you can hear him on a daily basis. Kristen also joining us just before you go to New York, Chris. Yes. Flying off tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. So if you are in New York City and you know what's going on around town, give him a call. He'd love to hear from you. Right, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, now let's get down to it. There's been a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of headlines. So let's just start off with some of the transfers because it is it's interesting out there in the real world. Um, what is going on with the whole Ronaldo thing, Dave? Is this a massive angle for a new contract? Is this someone trying to um, break his way out of a club, or is it like Kristen has said, it's a bit of a cry for help? I don't know. It's an Interesting one. You know, he's allegedly been um, done for committing four crimes between 2011 and 2014. It's all on his image rights. So you're supposed to be declaring that to the Spanish government, um, but he's got a um, company set up, a, a shell company, as the Spanish authorities have said, in the British Virgin 
Virgin Islands to basically push through the money that he's getting through his image rights, which I imagine is quite a lot of cash. It's probably a big chunk of his salary. You know, obviously I don't know what his salary is, but I'd say, well, maybe that's 40% of his salary, thinking about the deals that he does with, with Nike, with uh, Armani, with whoever, uh, pretty much. But it was on, it was yesterday, in fact, that Sky Sports um, broke it, reporting that he, he was interested in a move back to Manchester United, back to Old Trafford, um, and he's instructed his agent, Mina Rayola, to uh, instigate the move. But we all know the comings and goings of Real Madrid. You think of the Sergio Ramos one? was the one that's where it's been was it last year where he basically it came out on Sky Sports News yeah I'm going to um, you know, I'm going to sign for Manchester United or I want to sign for Manchester United and he just got a new bumper deal this happens with other players as well Sergio Busquets used uh, Manchester United and Manchester City to get a new deal um, so it's an interesting one it is kind of throwing your toys out of the pram maybe it is a cry for help um, he has said mentioned before that he wants to stay, to Milan, uh, stay at Madrid sorry until he's 41 but I, I just don't know with this one it seems a bit weird Like it seems like it's kind of like it's hurt his personal pride it's a bit of, it is actually a bit of a weird one because, um, I mean, Kristen, you call it a, you call it a cry for help, um, and your article is very interesting on that one. It, it's all about second guessing what's going on here, isn't it? Um, and uh, just to correct that, is his, is his agent Mina Raiola or is it Jorge Mendes? Sorry, Jorge, Jorge Mendes. Okay, I just want too much Mina Raiola this this summer already. More, more God on, knows who they are. More on that guy later on when we talk about Donna or Dollar Roma, as people are calling him at the moment. Um, even though he's not going to MLS. Um, so, uh, Kristen, you said this was a cry for help, um, but other people sort of inclined to say that this is a bit of a power play uh, with La Liga and the Spanish government in sort of saying, well, you know, I, I already bring you guys quite a lot. I'll show you. Yeah, <clears throat> so the basis for, for me thinking that was, if you go back to 2012, he did this in a pitch side interview. He said that they know why I'm unhappy. Um and that got him, as Dave talked about, another bumper deal. With the case of this, I think certainly the, the money is something he wants taken care of. I mean, he's maintained his innocence throughout. He doesn't think he's done anything wrong, doesn't believe he's he's done anything wrong. So with that said, he I think he's looking for support now. Because if you look at Portugal, for example, um, the coach came out on Saturday, the day before the Confederations Cup game, and said, and I'm paraphrasing slightly here, I put my hand on the fire for that man, you know, his character's impeccable, all this kind of thing. Just really spoke positively to the man that is Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he wants Florentino to do the same. I think, yes, he wants the financial element taken care of, but I also think he wants the club to come out and say, we support him as well. Um, because They have any statements, they, though, haven't they? They've just not been as sort of maybe openly um, loving as those other statements that we've heard. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they've they've backed him, but they've backed him in a very um, sort of professional way, if you know what I mean. Sort of like a like a company would, not like friends would. And I think that's what he's after. He's after that sort of that backing from from them. And and yeah, I also think he does want the the financial. I think he wants them to offer him a new deal and and just sort of take care of him. Very interesting stuff. Uh, we'll see how that one rumbles on throughout. Uh, the, I mean, overall, Dave, the biggest worry here is. Uh, what team will he appear in uh, for, for FIFA 18? Because he's a cover star. This is a big worry for them, isn't it? Mm, it's definitely not going to be a Chinese Super League team, um, given the latest spending caps that they've been pushed on by the, the central government, um, you know, be it PSG or Man United. That's kind of it. Bayern Munich came out today um, with a little bit of a statement, a bit of a joke, using a, a rubber duck um, called, I think he's called Frank. Yeah. I think his name's Frank. It might be Frank the, the duck. Yeah. 
Uh, basically, to, to quash the rumours, uh, a duck in, in German is seen as a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, it's like um, not true. It's kind of like the representation of what it is. It's like a t- translation and so forth. So it was hoax of the day by, no, it's Franz. Sorry, Franz the Bayern Munich the, duck. Yeah, Franz the Bayern Munich duck. Franz the duck, which is very important in the, obviously, in the story. But Karl um, Heinz Rummenigger came out today as well and said, you know, you know this is just transfer speculation. We're not going to move for Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's just PSG and Manchester United, really, that can, that can afford him or... You know, outside the box. What about someone like Barcelona? Imagine that move. That'd be incredible. I mean, that really would be amazing. Um, I mean, what a front three great podcast that would be. Um, wow. That would be a front four then, I suppose. Uh, yeah, and, and Messi probably playing behind the three. An utter waste of money. But it would put to rest. It was. It's almost like building a super team at that point, like they're trying to do in the NBA. You know, it's like LeBron and D-Wade and... Chris Bosch coming together. Um, let us know what you guys think. You know, do you think he's going to go anywhere, or do you think he will end his career at Madrid? And he's just asking for a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Open loyalty. I don't even think it's that. It's just asking for someone to maybe massage his public ego. Um, let's talk about another rumbling saga, which probably will go on throughout the summer, and that's Donnarumma, who uh, has basically not uh, signed another contract with AC Milan, and therefore. It looks as if he's going to have to move on one way or another. Now, there's a great story sort of detailing what's gone on uh, from James Horncastle on ESPN. And he basically outlines the fact that uh, Mino Areola, who we, we all know is the, one of the super agents who's managed massive talents down the years and also sort of upset quite a few people as he's gone along, um, is obviously his, his agent um, of the 18-year-old. It's fascinating to uh, look at how he manipulates the press and sort of releases press statements, having said Balotelli, etc., is out there. It's a pretty fascinating situation in the first place, though, isn't it, Chris? I remember when I went to go and see Juventus play AC Milan earlier in the season. Um, And even then, it seemed as if everyone at the game was saying, you know, he's doing well now, but he will move on. Everyone in front of uh, me in the stands was talking about how he was going to move on to a bigger team. And everyone behind the scenes was saying the same. So I'm a little bit confused as to why this is such a surprise, in inverted commas, for AC Milan. Yeah, it, it's interesting because Costa Corta came out actually and said, um, you know, he wants to play for one of the best teams in the world and Milan right now aren't one of them. And I thought that was quite a refreshing perspective because on the other end of the scale, you had Rossi who signed one of his goalkeeper shirts that he kept some clean sheet milestone in it with the intention of giving it to him. It was a very passive-aggressive move, basically, to, to try and uh, undermine him. And then you look last night, there was, uh, I think there were Milan, Polish Milan fans throwing money into his goal mouth while he was playing for Italy under 21s. Wasn't real money, so, totally. Yeah. Um, that might have solved the problem. I, 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 think there's, I think there's a variety of different responses. And the thing is with, with Milan specifically, I think they're just expectant of loyalty. Um, it, it's that very fine point between... We gave you your, your opportunity, or was he so good that really, had he been at any club, he would have got an opportunity? Is it? It is, it, it is that. It's it's a bit of a mix, isn't it? Um, because actually, the the weird thing is, and it's sort of that Milan are now seeing themselves as again setting themselves up to go on and challenge again, and it's it's not dissimilar, Chris, to the Wayne Rooney situation a few years ago at Everton. You know, Wayne Rooney clearly loved uh, Everton, but I know there's not that same rivalry between Everton and Manchester United. Um, you know, maybe if you go a little further back, then you would have seen some sort of rivalry. And there's not that sort of bitter rivalry. And most people know that if you're a Juventus fan, um, then you're, a, you're, a, you're in Milan most probably. 
you know, hence why Juventus launched their new logo there, um, hence why they, they've got some of their operations there, etc., etc. So there's a bit more detail in it. And it, it, uh, I, get, I guess the point is maybe, and, it, and this is why I mean it's similar to Everton. A few years ago, if Everton had kept Wayne Rooney, you'd argue you could have brought bigger names in. Maybe it's similar to the Aston Villa situation that Martin O'Neill experienced as well, when, uh, you know, it was basically they were pushing and pushing and weren't quite making it. And in the end, the players lost uh, either interest or uh, lost belief in the project. And actually, it's, it, there is a lot of disbelief, isn't there, Chris, in AC Milan in Italy at the moment. One, because obviously they've lost their big sugar daddy, Berlusconi, but also because people are very sceptical of foreign investment in Syria. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, with, with the, the foreign owner that's come in, he's, he's really not, he's not as hugely backed financially as, as people would think. He's used loans to acquire the club. And I think for, for at least the early stages of when he took over, there was concerns about him and, and just how legitimate he was. Um, there well, really wasn't the, the, a lot known about him in China relative to, mm. to sports specifically. And so I think, yes, there's maybe even just a little bit of a cloud of holdover on that. But, but, but Chris, I I mean, to counter that, just to counter that, just for a second, the, the, the players they brought in, he's, cl- he's clearly not taking charge on that because the players they brought in, you, you describe as astute, good footballing signings. And he bought them in for good prices as well. It's not like he's come here and splashed a low cash, but they've already spent 99 million, according to the press. Yeah, so so I'm talking about like before this spending spree, and I think that those series of purchases, the likes of Andre Silva, Frank Kessie, etc., the fact that Kessie won't cost them a big sum, I think, un- until next summer. Essentially, they've structured it financially, so yeah, it's not a big hit this summer. But as you're right, totally, I think it costs 99 million when all's said and done. Those kind of moves, I think, have allayed some fears about this owner and, and how he's going to implement things. I personally, though, I look at Donnarumma and I think he's more influenced by the fact that he knows that Real Madrid potentially want him. He knows that big clubs want him, and he just wants it now. I think it's quite difficult for a, a player, especially a goalkeeper, because again, let's let's take Buffon as the example, the man that he said to replace. His career has gone on until pretty much forty year old, so you have to think Donnarumma, drawing a comparison, has a good twenty years at least left in the game. Are you, are you desperate to join Real Madrid right now? Is is there a, a slower incline you could take? Yeah, definitely. But I think it takes why do that, a different kind of perspective to, to want to do that. And then also at the same time, you could even argue, why, why take you know why take that slower incline? If someone's willing to take that risk in you and you're confident in your ability, yeah. then do it as quickly as possible. Why, why? Yeah. I mean, I guess the only reason to do that would be uh, AC Milan was one of his childhood, his, his childhood club. They brought him through. There's a number of... I know, there's a number well, of sort of sentimental reasons, but Mino well, doesn't seem the, the sentimental type. Well, that's the, the irony of all ironies, is that a, a scout for Inter came out last week um, on Italian radio and told a story that essentially he had Donnarumma signed and sealed for, for Inter. He had watched him for three years, had had really tracked him. Um, and like I say, they, they had, I, th- I think it was Naples they had him. They were, anyway, they were... A, a signature away from signing Donnarumma and without any warning without any word the the family and Donnarumma left the negotiations flew uh, to Milan and signed with uh, AC instead so I think for, for cynics of the game and where it's heading and I think cynics of him or, or newfound cynics of him if you will they've got the perfect anecdote for why he is a, a snake 
as the the Twitter uh, scene likes to, to dub people these days. Yeah, certainly a weird one, isn't it? Um, I mean, Dave, tactically, Donnarumma's going to allow people to do quite a lot, isn't he? He's a massive goalkeeper. He's going to give anyone behind him quite a lot of confidence in there. Um, I mean, but, you know, again, he's still a young goalkeeper. He has a lot to learn and a long way to go. He's just starting from sort of further ahead than other people, I guess. Yeah, I think that is absolutely mad. He's, you know, leaving Milan now is, is craziness. It's it's the perfect club for him. He's get, he got a lot of action last season because Milan were quite leaky at the back. Obviously, that £99 million they've spent on transfers is going to improve the Milan team. With someone like Montella in charge, they will be a good possession-based side next season, so he will potentially have less to do. But it kind of makes no sense for me. It's a bit too early. It's just a big falling out over uh, the minimum release, apparently, is it not? It's going up to million, 200 million. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, which is crazy money. Like, seriously, just focus on your football. It's, I think this is a big, you know, again, it highlights the problem of agents in the game that instead of actually focusing on what is best for Donnarumma, which is staying at Milan for four years, maybe, um, and then moving on if he really wants to say but, that, but, that but, jump but, up. You but know. Dave, what, what is he actually going to... I mean, if he feels like he can go to Real Madrid now, where he'll be well protected anyway, arguably he can already rival a goalkeeper like Keylor Navas. Um, and obviously he can't rival Buffon at this point because of Buffon's status, not necessarily because he's a better or worse goalkeeper. I think what he potentially needs to evaluate is is what is... Um, you know, which clubs he can move to in a way. You know, you mentioned someone like, uh, you know, going to rival Keylor Navas. Keylor Navas has just won two back-to-back Champions Leagues. He had a brilliant game in the final, had a really good game in the semi-final. Um, you know, the reports from Zidane and Sergio um, Ramos was that it's fine. You know, instead of getting someone like David Ahir, Keylor Navas is absolutely fine. Um, is Donnarumma going to go to Juve? No, Buffon's there still. You know, he's going to play another two, three years. Is he going to go to Manchester United? No, because David Ahir is there. In the sort of goalkeeping roundabout, the only team that actually makes any sense is Manchester City. But again, and they've just spent X amount of money just on Edison. Spent more than enough. So there's no it's such a weird, it's such a weird timing for him to like make, you know, throw his toys out of the pram and but, and kick off in a way. And that's why, Dave. I mean, you know, we, we spoke to a lot of people when we went to uh, Turin, and most, you know, obviously AC Milan were in town, so we got to speak to a couple of AC Milan representatives. We also got to speak to some journalists who sort of knew a bit more about Juventus than we did. And a lot of people were saying, "Look, Juve will be confident of getting this player." Um, and Mino Raiola has made it no secret within the industry that this summer he wants he wants Donnarumma to leave. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not beyond the bounds of, of that, but I imagine that whoever wants him is going to be made to pay uh, a lot of money. Um, you know, if you're a, maybe if you're a Milan fan, I know I'm an AC Milan fan uh, in Italy, and I'd be gutted to see him go, but, you know, let's see. Um, Dave, moving on to another great rumour which is rumbling on at the moment. It's Danny Alves to Man City. Now, this is an interesting <laughs> one, isn't it? I mean, for such a low price, uh, he could come to the Premier League, win a Premier League, and sort of finish his career on a high with you know, a manager who treated him well until, obviously, when Pep left, he said that he wasn't treated well at Barcelona. Um, a, a player that mentioned, what, two years ago in the media that there was only one club in Manchester? <laughs> Manchester United? Yeah, I mean, that's um, awkward, I think he's played it. He's played it well. He's played it really well. But I think it'd be perfect for City. The only problem is it's the, the, the age on his side. You know, the reason why he's been so good this season is he's been, been playing pretty much on the right-hand side. He's been playing on the right wing in the 4-4-2. He's not been playing at full-back. He started the campaign in the Champions League at full-back. But where he got the real plaudits was playing as a right midfielder. Mm. Is that going to be where he's playing under Pep Guardiola? Probably not. So he's going to have to be, be a right wing-back? We are a full-back, yeah. A right-back in Pep. But I imagine Pep will go back to the 4-3-3 as, um, you know, tried and trusted system but it kind of it's this thing again that modern day fullbacks need to be so athletic and so fit can Danny Alves get up and down because arguably Barzagli 
um, you know, dealt with a lot of defensive problems that was in behind Danny Alves in the, the um, you know, in the Champions League. It just seems like a not the right signing for City right now. City should be going for Carl Walker on that right hand side, but it'll be a good deal if he's getting for five million quid. His wages aren't too high. That's another thing. His wages are going to be absolutely astronomical. If he's been at Barcelona, now he's been at Juve, now he's going to be at Manchester City. They're going to have to pay a lot of money for his wages, and it's just the value. Are they getting value? It's sort of a short term fix. And Guardiola did the same thing with with uh, Claudio Bravo instead of coaching. Joe Hart is that going to be another problem with uh, Pep Guardiola this summer where he does the same thing instead of getting a, a right back for City for the next five years signing a short term p- solution that he's worked with before might not quite work in the Premier League is it, well is it maybe having someone also who's experienced Dave or can tell the other players look this is how Guardiola wants it you've got a leader in the dressing room you've got someone who he's worked with before you've got someone who knows the culture and that is what I slightly find a little bit unusual here is people are almost completely avoiding the fact that what Man City are doing is transplanting 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 uh, their own uh, someone else's culture onto their own club uh, which is nothing new for their investors maybe but I mean for, for a club like Man City who already had a bit of a proud culture they're trying to instill something completely new there um, and maybe someone like Danny Alves can help to bring that in you know and he's also media yeah, friendly it's, 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 you know, it's a great point. He has been brilliant this year. You know, no, no fact that he's not been very, very good. But it's just that, you know, as the years go on for fullbacks, it starts to be a weakness in their game. You know, Daniel, why Danny Alves is so good is because he can attack. Danny Alves' biggest strength is going forward. Yeah. But the problem now at this age is that he can't make that run back. He can't make that recovery run. If City do sign a maybe a defensive midfielder that can play on the the right side, maybe you know. Uh, Fabinho or someone like that who can cover Danny Alves at right back and City switch to a 4-2-3-1 instead of a 4-3-3 then tactically that's fine um, you know if they've got something comfortable there you're thinking what Casemiro does at Real Madrid um, you something like that that can just cover that like Javier Zanetti used to do with Mike on that Inter Milan under Mourinho with a similar thing he just needs that cover now um, and it's something that Guardiola isn't ever has never been that good on in terms of the balance and the defensive transition from having the ball to not having the ball. It's never been his strength. His strength is having the ball and breaking teams down and dominating possession and so forth. But it's in that transition that City have got caught out a lot this season down the fullbacks that, again, will be a weakness. But if you threw someone like Carl Walker in there, it become a strength. And this is, it's just a weird signing at the moment for Manchester City. I understand that it, you know, it is a Barcelona player moving to City and the culture and all that. But again, just not, I don't think it's the right fit. Yeah, it certainly is a weird one, uh, but we will see. I mean, maybe we'll get uh, maybe we'll get Nico Morales, who's a Man City fan, on on the podcast later uh, and and chat to him at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Danny Alves almost, almost also making very incendiary comments. <laughs> if you're a Juventus fan about uh, Dybala, saying uh, he can be one of the best players in the world, but if he does want to be one of the best players in the world, it won't be at Juventus. Um, Maybe, I mean, maybe you know, maybe it is again sort of some of the more powerful clubs or the moneyed clubs in Europe flexing their muscle right now. Uh, there are sirens everywhere in London today. It's crazy. Um, wow, that is a lot of police cars. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about these new rules in football, Chris, because I'm um, I'm excited. Um, Sixty minutes for a game, sure. Uh, players will be able to take free kicks themselves, sure. Why not? Um, effectively making every free kick indirect in a way. Um, goal kicks do not have to leave the penalty area. Uh, free kicks uh, permitted with a moving ball, which is something that always annoyed everyone anyway. And penalties conceded for handling a back pass by the goalkeeper. Not only that, but penalties, um, penalty, uh, penalty goals will be awarded for a goal line handball. Um, and going one step further than that, 
um, a penalty will be a sort of static situation where you either score or you miss. Now, I've been through a lot of rules there, but this is a, a, these are a lot of huge fundamental changes in the game. Am I, am I correct in saying a penalty goal is the goal is awarded and also you get a penalty? Uh, no, I just think, uh, I mean, that really would be amazing, but I think a penalty goal is just you've instantly got the goal, there's no, there's no question. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. But that, but that sort of leads then, I mean, this is the problem, is all of these progressives on the left wing out there, Chris, suggesting all these crazy things like open borders and football, and I'm joking, all these, pe- all these progressives sort of suggesting things like, you know, um, a penalty goal. At what point does it, does it have to be on the line? You know, does the ball have to be half over the line? All sorts of things. There's a lot of weird ways of implementing these rules. And I, mean, I guess the big headline here is the 60 minutes with pauses when the ball goes out or the ball essentially play stops. Yeah, I'm not a great fan of that one, personally. Why? Um, What's wrong with you, you Luddite? I just... I don't know why you want to make the game shorter. <laughs> well, it's, it's not going to make the game shorter, Chris. What, what people are saying at the moment is that over the 90 minutes, which is a bit of a weird one, but over the 90 minutes, the ball's out of play so much or, you know, players are wasting time so often that if you just stop the clock, you will always be promised 60 minutes of lightning hot play. But in my Luddite head, hot. 60 is less than 90. <laughs> it, is, it is less than 90. But most, most people are saying that due to, studies, Chris, due to studies, this means that yeah. we can have it. But... It's fundamentally changing the fabric of the game. Football is a 90-minute sport. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I think I think that's the thing. It, it's so much of the the even the vernacular is is associated to 90 minutes that it just it would feel weird. God, what to would 90 men do? You know, they're in for a tough 60 minutes. Yeah. What but what would 90 men do? Do you think they just flip the nine? Yeah, exactly. Um, 60 men. Yeah, I'm I'm just. Uh, it's. Has it, has it thrown you as a bit of football as a bit of a football regret? Are you the Alex Jones of the world? Alex, what the one from the one show? Oh God, no. Uh, yeah, but that really would be very sweet. Um, anything? In, I mean, do you sort of see the sentiment of the, what's being suggested here, don't you? Yeah, I mean, look, you, you've always want to try and improve the game. Of course, I, I can understand that. You, but is you change look at, better, Chris? You look at like the passback rule, for example. That obviously uh, predates are in inception into this this wonderful world but that at some point you were able to pass it back and it was devised that actually she was was impeding the game in some ways so no i i understand uh why they're always trying to improve things and i kind of admire it in some ways because it's look there are people that will be a lot more aggressive towards this kind of change than we will and you know sometimes you've you've got to be a little bit bold to to at least conceive or even try and implement these things. So I admire the, uh, the balls. Not the courage as much as the, you know, I, I admire the endeavour, but I don't necessarily agree with it at the same time, you know? I mean, Dave, this would fundamentally change the game. And, and obviously that's the reason why they're saying this. But it would fundamentally change the way the games are played as well. I mean, you know, time-wasting is no, no longer a thing in football. Um, I mean, it would either that or you'd have to waste time in another way. Many more teams would maybe be forced to go out to the corner flag because, you know, you can't waste time rolling around now. Uh, someone who's a wonderful manager of 90 minutes at the moment may not be the same manager for 60 minutes. You know, there are all sorts of tactical... <laughs> uh, same game. No, no, but it isn't the same game, though, is it, Dave? Because some managers like to slow the game down. Some managers, you know, a manager like Jurgen Klopp, for instance, would now only have 60 minutes for his players to go out there. And so it becomes a whole different kind of 
extreme play, if you like, and maybe it benefits those kind of managers. But it does... It, do you sort of get what I'm saying here? Is that actually you're, think, you're changing the fabric of the game and a manager like Mourinho likes to slow it down maybe wouldn't benefit as much from something like this? I think if we looked into how many minutes we're actually in a game of football and continuous play, I think it's I think it's actually less than 60 minutes. Yeah, but, but that's not the point though, is it, Dave? The point is it's 90 and you just have to get to that 90. And whatever happens within that 90 or 95 or whatever, that's in, it's about the, the, you know, the ebb and the flow of the game. And the ebb and flow is going to fundamentally change if you do that. I think the flow will still be fine. I think it's. I think it'll just be different. You'll be making subs at different times and so forth. I think it'll just take a while to adjust. I'm not a fan of the rule. I don't think that's something that needs to be dealt with first. You know what I mean? I think that the what was it the VAR technology that they were using to you know rule out the Chile goal against uh, forgotten who it was. Uh, Chile oh. played. It's just so hot, right? Um, I, Cameroon. Cam- play Cameroon. And what a match! What a memorable game! Um, yeah, goal ruled offside, which is a correct thing. But like changing the time of a game, what's the point? Well, I mean, Dave, we've just exp- we've just discussed the point for almost five minutes. Yeah, I just don't agree with you, Lawrence. I'm sorry. I'm going to sit on the 90 minute. Uh, you know, uh, no, no, Dave, I'm going to stick there. I'm with you. I'm with you on this 90 minute thing. I mean, surely that <laughs> fundamentally changes how people play the game. I mean, I've said it now time and time again. I'm trying to lead you guys to water, but no one seems to be drinking. No, I, I don't... I, that's the thing. I don't think the game will change that much. Try some of the cool I, <laughs> I don't think it'll change it that much. I think what... Oh, come on, Dave. Of course. You could have more subs, rolling subs. Now, ah, that would change the game. Now, that is well, not... A, and that's not in those silly rules. Yeah. Apparently... That would be an improvement, wouldn't it? Like, imagine, like, you could, you know, rotate your team. It'd be a little bit more like NHL or NBA, where you could put your defensive guys on at certain points in the game and then you take them off you know different lines and that type of thing that'd be more of a revel- you know more of a evolutionary stage to football than what's been prescribed but by we'll also, the, but, the IFAB is it? yeah and, and obviously they are a famous body um, I mean de- <laughs> first they, time I've heard first time, no, well it's not the first time I think maybe we've mentioned them before but they just never seemed as important as when they were mentioning kooky ideas like this um, obviously I'm being cynical Dave but uh, you know, free free radicalize a little bit with me for just a second, though, Dave. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's also then though you got these for the you know you can dribble from a free kick. Um, I mean, think of it in another way. You know that that it then throws away the whole stats table. You can't use your you can't use your stats that you've had in the past anymore because ninety minutes with pauses is very <laughs> difficult. Very different to sixty minutes with little pauses when the referees watch stops or whatever that's very different dave you can't have what you're saying what you're saying to me is i'm out of a job no i'm no 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 (laughs) if anything dave it's it's the most exciting frontier for you because now you're able to um you're able to recollect all the stats and you're able to come up with Mm. a brand new way of collecting them because over 60 minutes is very different but you just can't use your 90 ones as much. You know, maybe you no. could use expect because... Game over, isn't it? Well, no, but it is different, isn't it, Dave? Because, you know, there's about, you know with the key passes and, uh, you, know, uh, the, the, you know, it takes teams time to um, adjust to a game. You're going to need now to get players who don't take 50, 15 minutes to warm up to the match. They, could, they can just... Their, main, their minds are straight in it. I think it depends on the style of football as well, doesn't it? You know what I mean? I think it's both... You know, you could still play a possession-based style, but you just have less time to play that style. Or, you know, what like I said before, you might not have less time. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I just don't think tactically that it will develop the game at all. 
like to a great effect. It's not going to like re- like the back pass as Chris mentioned. That was a step that needed to be done to fasten that you know speed the game up. It was a good rule to bring in. This is sort of nowhere near that. It's sort of moving away from football um, in a way. But why not? You know, Lawrence, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Um, uh, now, some young'uns who probably will really appreciate this is anyone who's under 21. Uh, and there's a big tournament involving those sorts of people uh, out there in Poland. Adam, earlier on, spoke to uh, one of our many correspondents out there in the world who's based in Poland right now. Just excuse me while I look up his name. It was uh, Simon Harrison, and he's out in Poland. Uh, many spoke about Spain. Fascinating conversation. And here it is on TF3. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So guys, Adam here, joined now by journalist Simon Harrison out in Poland for the European Under-21 Championships. Simon, how are you finding out there? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's actually uh, really warm. When I first arrived in uh, Gdynia, it was actually raining. But uh, since then, it, I think the Spain players would definitely prefer <laughs> what it's like now. Plenty of sun rather than cloud. Uh, and the good thing is as well that it's not quite the 40 degrees that they're getting in Madrid at the moment. So it's a little bit cooler. Yeah, I mean, it's about 30 degrees here in London at the moment. And that is hot enough. I'll tell you <laughs> that much. As for the championships, though, Simon, uh, it's been a great start to the tournament so far. Probably the biggest result, of course, was Spain's 5-0 thrashing of Macedonia on Saturday. La Roja living up to their tag as tournament favourites? Well, I did see with some bookies uh, back in the UK that they had um, Germany down as one of the favourites too. But I-, I would say that on paper, Spain have got by far and away the best team here. Um, and I think although people will look at the fact that it was Macedonia and, and they'll suggest, obviously, maybe it's not the best benchmark. I mean... You- beat the teams that are put in front of you and Macedonia they're there on merit they, they'd only conceded I think seven goals uh, all the way through qualifying and that includes playing against teams like France um, who obviously were expected to be here too so yeah I mean they're, they're definitely considered favourites I think they've got far too much for any team at the tournament really to handle going forward um, Macedonia they did quite well I mean they tried to match them they, they pressed quite high um, they, they tried to get in their face and disrupt them but after, after about an hour I'd say it, it kind of just tailed off and, and it ended up being a really comfortable win definitely of course the star of the show was Marco Asensio you wrote an article about him in the Independent today which we'll link to in the show notes uh, the Real Madrid man scoring a superb hat-trick so. yeah I mean I, I did see quite a few people talking about Saul's goal at the start um, he opened the scoring with an overhead kick a lot of people there was a lot of uh, screaming from um, the the Spanish radio that were present at the game but, I mean, Asensio definitely from that point onwards was was undoubtedly the star of the show. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the three goals, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if all three are, are sort of in the mix for some of the better goals scored at the entire tournament. Um, and he just looked a cut above the rest, really. I mean, he, 
was just too much to handle. And I think that will probably be the case across the tournament. I really can't see a defence that will be confident that they can really, you know, negate his impact. But even then, I, I think it would be tough to see a game where he at least isn't extremely instrumental in scoring some goals or isn't, you know, going for the golden boot himself because him scoring a hat-trick, it, it's not something that's regularly done in this tournament at all. And I think it's testament to what we can expect from him uh, for the rest of the month in Poland. Obviously, in the last few days, there's been a lot of talk, of course, about uh, a certain Real Madrid player potentially leaving the club this summer. Um, if that does indeed happen, Simon, do you think Madrid have already got the man to, to fill his boots? I mean, he's definitely uh, going to be a key part for Real Madrid for as long as he's wanted, I would say. I mean, you, you've got the likes of Isco, um, who have kind of the same path in terms of Spanish youth football in the past and, and essentially looks more than capable of doing that and, and Isco obviously was, was so important for Zidane uh, during the season just gone in, in the big games he was really the man that you looked to to make that little bit of difference and Asensio is definitely the kind of player that can do that um, he's not been phased by any occasion that he's been thrown into he scored in, in Super Cups in the Champions League in the league uh, he's happy to come off the bench um, and he offers you know real pace he can drive the ball well he, he would definitely be a player that I think should be starting a lot more. I, I would definitely say that the likes of perhaps uh, if Ronaldo uh, were to leave, he would be my choice to slot in on that uh, left wing role. Or if Ronaldo stays, I, I think Ronaldo will probably play quite a bit more as more of a central striker next season. Obviously, uh, it was something that was looked at in the last two months of uh, the campaign just gone. And I, I think that allows for a lot more opportunities for... Um, for Isco and also for Marco Asensio to maybe you know be deployed out wide. Uh, obviously, it depends on Bale's fitness too. I mean, Asensio could find himself being um, relied upon far more heavily this this year, and and I think that's absolutely deserved. Uh, I think it would be a real shame to see him stagnate um, by being you know he can be a super sub and of course he'll be useful but I think he really does deserve to get plenty more actual first team minutes and I mean Ronaldo leaving it would be a huge blow for Real Madrid but at the same time it could help you know coax something even more special out of Asensio Who else impressed for you in this Spain side then Simon I mean Sandro Ramirez looks set to sign for Everton for just £5 million I mean on this evidence it looks a bit of a bargain doesn't it yeah, I think that'll be one of the bargains of the summer, really. Uh, in the Liga for Malaga, they, they weren't really a, a team that were doing particularly well. They struggled to get consistency with coaches. They finally kind of settled on Michel, who's done well, and, and Sandro's looked really good under him. He's uh, a really mobile player. He's quite quick. He's a bit of a handful, and obviously he can finish. He scored 14 league goals, I think it was, last season. Um, th there are a, lo a lot of good players in this squad, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, uh, Danny Ceballos, he's a very good midfielder. He came off the bench again. Macedonia um, and he's got a release clause at the moment of I think it's around 13 million euros and he, he's an extremely good player um, there's also Jesus Vallejo uh, who plays centre-back with Jorge Mere um, he's just it's just been announced that after spending last season on loan with Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga he'll be going back and he'll be uh, forming a part of Zidane's squad for Real Madrid next season obviously with Pepe leaving uh, at the end of his contract Vallejo um, he's going to be stepping in and you know stepping up as potentially third or fourth choice centre back. So all across the board, anyone in in any position for Spain, whether it be a player who is starting or whether it be someone on the bench, I mean, all of these players deserve a look. At. I think the amount of scouts that have been uh, at the Spain against Macedonia game it, it really says what a talented group they've got. Um, but a lot of the clubs that 
that own these players at the Under-21 Championships for Spain, they, they've made sure that before they've been allowed to go for the summer, that they've signed new deals, they've got big release clauses in their contracts. Um, so it, it's not really going to be coming cheap for the vast majority if there would be any clubs interested in picking up a few new players before the start of the campaign. And finally, what about Gerard Delefeu, who scored the third goal in this game? captain of the side now at the age of 23 one of the elder statesmen if you will of this side looks set for a return to Barcelona the club reportedly set to activate a 10.5 million pound buyback clause in his contract according to reports today do you think that's a smart move by the Catalan club I don't really see what he would uh, offer to Barcelona obviously they do need to maybe bring in one or two options to have some kind of reserve options to rest the likes of Messi, Neymar and Suarez but for me, I mean, Delafeu has probably matured a bit. And I, and I think Salah has given him the captain's armband, as well as him being one of the older players in the squad. Maybe it reflects that a little bit. And I, and I think that it, it can only you know, help him mature and develop a bit more uh, mentally. He's been around at Spanish youth level for quite a while. And I think the argument is definitely there that he has perhaps been a bit stagnant and maybe not developed quite as much as other people would have been hoping for. Um, it's obviously good that he's managed to get some minutes under his belt at, at Milan. But, I mean, it, I don't know whether Delafeo would necessarily be too pleased with uh, playing a backup role at Barcelona. Um, obviously, he would be second choice behind the front three there. And for, for a player of his age, and and I think that Delafeo, you know, he obviously believes that he can, you know, be a big player and he can continue to offer a lot to whichever club he's actually playing for. I mean, it, it might just be a case that it wouldn't be a situation that the player would end up being happy in. Um, and obviously that isn't the best situation to be in because la- last season it was a bit of a balancing act for Zidane in La Liga with Real Madrid and having so many talented players who all wanted to play. And, and you end up with players like Morata and you end up with players like James Rodriguez um, potentially, you know, upsetting the apple cart a little bit. And, and De La Feu, potentially, I mean, Barcelona, it's where he's come through the ranks and everything like that. So perhaps he would be a little bit more comfortable in that scenario. But I, I don't know. at the same time, I, I don't know whether it's the best move for the club or for the player either. Before we let you go, which other teams have been impressing you so far? I mean, you mentioned Germany uh, as one of the favourites alongside Spain earlier. I think that on um, on Tuesday when Spain play Portugal, that'll probably be one of the better games of the tournament. Uh, there's a lot of talent on show. I mean, for me personally, I've kind of been uh, travelling around a little bit and... Um, I've been in and out, obviously, press conferences and things clash with games. Um, but but I have managed to watch some some of the teams here and there. I mean, I, I was actually I was actually quite impressed with Macedonia. They, they had a couple of players that were actually uh, rather good. Um, they had their captain, David Babunski. He played uh, his youth football at Barcelona, but now he plays out, uh, I think it's for Yokohama in Japan. Uh, and he's quite a tidy player. He's 23. Um, and, and he seems quite an intelligent guy, too. He's uh, very comfortable speaking English and um, I think he's really into philosophy as well, actually, <laughs> which is quite bizarre. Interesting. Um, and yeah. also, they've got another player, I, I believe his first name is Ennis, but uh, definitely his last name, Bardi. Uh, he played centre midfield for Macedonia. He, he was actually a very, very tidy player. I think he uh, came up through the ranks uh, in, in Hungary, I think he is, and he looked quite good. But I think the teams, it's definitely what you would expect. I think looking out for the likes of Italy, they've obviously got a few Juventus players in their books. They've got the likes of uh, Berardi, Regani, Caldara, uh, Portugal. They beat Serbia quite comfortably in their first game, and they've got uh, Renato Sanchez started that first game on the bench. 
but I would presume that he'll probably be starting against Spain because he provided uh, an assist for the second goal. Uh, that second goal scored by Bruno Fernandes, uh, the number 10 for Portugal's under-21 side, and he looks a very good player too. So, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend that if you haven't been following the tournament yet, then watching Spain play against Portugal on Tuesday would definitely be uh, a, good, a good place to start. Um, but if you'd prefer something maybe a little less uh, exciting, then I'm sure that England would be an okay watch too. Simon, great stuff as always. Where can the whole, where can the listeners find more of your work? Well, uh, I'm always using Twitter, at uh, SimonHFootball. Uh, that's where I'll be sharing any articles, videos, any photos from press conferences or training sessions or media days or whatever. So, yeah, that's definitely the best place to find anything if you've got uh, an interest in this tournament in general, but definitely Spain as a whole, because I'll be following them for the rest of the month uh, through a few different cities. Hopefully they can go all the way. So, uh, yeah, that, that would definitely be the best place to uh, keep following what I'm doing at in Poland. So, joining us for a little portion of a podcast, uh, Nico Morales, good to have you back. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. Uh, would you like some tea? Yeah, sure. Sure. You, mint? I'm not a big fan of mint. You got any like wow. fruit stuff? Uh, sure. Uh, I can get you some clementine. There you go. Great. Um, I don't know why I thought clementine. Anyway, um, let's talk... Oh, what should we go? Let's, you know, let's start with some striking rumors because it's, this part of the year is actually quite exciting for this sort of thing. Aubameyang, first of all. Uh, most people saying he's want away from Dortmund uh, and a lot of people saying originally, hey, it was PSG, that, that deal's apparently fallen through. Hey, apparently there was something in, um, you know, China maybe. Now some people saying Liverpool, but I get the feeling that's more just a Phil Collins space than actual validity of a rumor, surely. Yeah, um, he definitely fits a lot of people's boxes, I guess, because he's a very good striker. I think one of the things that I've pointed out pretty consistently is Aubameyang is not just a striker with a, an immense amount of pace and sort of offering the, the threat that that does sort of over 40 or 50 meters, however long, and, and sort of counterattacking. He is very good at finding space in the box and, and being that player. If you look at the majority of his goals that he did score for, um, for Borussia Dortmund, is you know him sort of finding space in the six-yard box and, and him plugging into a system as opposed to a system dependent on him. So I think he's very promising no matter where he goes, and I think he can offer a variety of avenues for a lot of different teams. I do, think he would the fit right, in. the right fit for Liverpool? I mean, surely what Liverpool yeah, I think, struggle I think with. he would fit in well at Liverpool because he's, I, I think if he can, which he had to. Is he, is, he, is he a remedy though? Is he a remedy to what they currently suffer from? Because... You know, I mean, a lot I'll, of people I'll say, ask oh, you Aubameyang, pace, finishing. There's Mane already. There's a couple of players there already. What Liverpool need is someone who can unlock. Is Aubameyang an unlocker? But that doesn't really come in the striker department, does it? Well, I mean, it's part of being in the striker department. It's part of having, I mean, it's it's part of maybe working within a team. So I guess if you feel like he's going to bring that, but I'm not sure. I mean, I suppose maybe Liverpool are just desperate for an option. Because, yeah, but if you're talking about someone that can unlock, then I think I'm more of a midfielder and and someone that's plugged in for Liverpool very well and can offer maybe more of a passing option up front is I think Firmino's done exceptionally well in that role. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not against putting Firmino in that position. I guess Firmino maybe from time to time needs a strike partner or he'd sort of be... I'm always an advocate of, of moving Coutinho a little bit further back. 
like playing yeah I mean yeah, oh, definitely and, yeah. and then so it, it definitely also gives Liverpool a much more creative spine to the side than they currently yeah. have yeah. I feel like there's not very much of a, a join between defence and attack at Liverpool um, even but, with Emery Chan role, or what like role will, will Solanke play then uh, I mean, that's a very good question. He's still very young, though, isn't he? So, I mean, yeah. it's really a case of him um, finding where he fits in. And then what role does Origi play? You know, it, I think that's a big question for a lot of Liverpool fans is where do all these players fit in? Um, and it's going to have to be down to a rotational system, I guess. That's part of the problem. Um, it's it's part of it is actually have these precious seasons where players form, you know, uh, cult hero status. And then it's very difficult to let go of that. Um and sometimes you do need to let go of that sentimental side that maybe a lot of people get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, more on that uh, when, when we actually know who's signing for Liverpool, not when we're just sort of vaguely speculating. Uh, speaking of vague speculation, uh, Lacazette could be on his way. Where? I think he's been rumoured to go to Arsenal for quite a few seasons now, or at least the past transfer window as well as this one, um, which is, isn't like the him. weirdest thing in the world. He's a, he's a good player, but he's not as impressive once you take away his penalty goals. He does take quite a few penalties for um, for Lyon. Right? Yeah, Olympic Lyon. Um, he, he takes the ones that he creates himself, and also I, I think he's the designated team one. And he, he's still a very good player, but I don't think he's as good as maybe people want to think that he is because I think there's a specific spotlight on players in the Premier League, and then those that do decently well outside of it are, are hyped up to a certain extent because not that people watch, not many people watch them that much or as much as they should. So I don't know if he'd be the greatest option for Liverpool or even Arsenal, but he's still a good player. I, I think dependent on the system and how well it creates space for its forward players is sort of dependent on, on how well someone like him would do, regardless of where it is. Also, who plays alongside, you know, will certain players be there? come um next season we'll find out very soon um where do you want to take me next nico where did i want to take you next um yeah. I, I think we, we can uh, you and chris probably talked about the the donnarumma thing that's probably one of the bigger things that we we did we, we, we spoke about donnarumma a little bit um, but, but i think you have a slightly different perspective to both i mean or maybe a perspective which adds to ours um and I, you know i'll certainly be interested to hear what you have to think about the young guy because i think from your angle, you feel like people are being a little bit unfair on him with the way they're portraying him, which I feel like you agree with me a little. Yeah, I think maybe we hold the same sentiments in the, in the, in the sense that I think we have an ability or, or sort of a tendency because different podcasts and different newspapers and all the analysis, whether it be on YouTube or whatever medium you're talking about, we talk about the same players because those are the, the, the relevant players within the spectrum of what you know the, the subject matter is on. Um, and we look at every footballer as being drowned in money and, and they, all they care about is money and all these other things. And that's sort of the, the label that's been thrown at Donnarumma. And I think that's, I don't know if that's the, the perception that we should have because we have to look at football as a job because ultimately, no matter how much joy we derive from it or how we use it in our day-to-day lives as sort of an escape from the rest of the things that we have to think about, these players, it's ultimately what they do for a living. It's not like they get money from other things. Obviously, there's endorsements and, and things that they do, but the main source of their money is is playing football. And so they have to, to a certain extent, they have to look at it like that. And it's not just something that they can be completely unprofessional about to a certain extent. So with that being said, 
we have to realize that in that job, it's not like if I was, let's say, a, a CPA or, or like I currently want to be like a journalist or something like that. There's nothing that can really happen bar, you know, and knock on wood, like a major car accident that would take, take away my ability to, to speak or, or take away my ability to, to write or think in a major way that could end my career. That's super common. And, Whereas, and, 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 that, and I, agree, I agree with that. But then some people are also saying, well, there's, there's more to life than money, first of all, and you can make a very modest living still at AC. I mean, more than a modest living, you know, if, but you're if you have the opportunity, room. if you have the opportunity to, and you, you're put in a position and, you know, you're, if you're good enough to make X amount of money at something and that's what you're doing anyways. And, you know, like I said, if you're, well, if you're good enough to, to, to do something at a high level and you're good enough to be paid for something at a high level, then I think anyone, regardless of the, of the field, would take that opportunity. But, and, and but, then, but then flip that and say, if you're good enough to play at that high level, then, you know, what about the dreams of playing for your boyhood club? You know, what about the dreams of any of that? But it's also how, how do you, an, an experience within, an, like, I think you can talk to Chris a little bit more, um, clearly about this but you know he's seen he's seen new york he's seen different parts of the united states he's probably been to different parts of europe as part of his journalistic capacity in the same way that maybe donnarumma wants to play in spain or england or germany or elsewhere and he wants to experience all these things because these things are the the his ability with football is a medium for him to accomplish the things that he wants to see in life and i don't think we look at it in that spectrum quite enough in the sense that this is their job. This is there. Are, there are things outside of that that maybe they want to achieve, and there are things that they can do. So maybe it's not always within his, I guess, his own dreams to 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 play in England. And yes, AC Milan are his club, and and they've they've developed him. But it doesn't really. It's his prerogative to do what he wants with his life. And and also you have to you can't forget really that. And this is I think this has been confirmed by a number of of papers. You know. AC Milan have threatened to not play him if he didn't sign the deal and I mean if you're getting that sort of treatment from the club that supposedly cares about you they really only care about the business end of what you're able to to provide them with so why should he be any different and I think that's like I said it, it's it's a business and not not everybody wants to look at it as a business because there's so much emotion in football and there should be but at the same time it's it is business decisions that are motiv motivating a lot of what we talk about and it's nice to hear when it's not necessarily all business or maybe us from the outside not being on the inside of football interpret it as not all business but the majority of the time it is it is, i mean it's certainly an interesting one because you do think well how can i put this um you know uh, th there's there's a lot maybe that we don't see at all and i think i've, I've sort of commented on this in um, the other parts of the podcast. Uh, but, you know, certainly there was a very different um, opinion of what was going on when I was in um, Turin compared to maybe some other things. Um, let's go to maybe a much more private side of football now uh, and talk a little bit about the Cristiano Ronaldo transfer. We've spoken about it a little bit, sort of made light of the fact that, you know, this, this could really be... Um, uh, the, the press speculation is really just... Uh, basically getting him a better contract at Real Madrid or maybe making him feel like he's loved by the club. But, you, I mean, you've taken a completely different angle on this one, Mika. Yeah, it's, it's a serious topic. It's something that I think the biggest 
look at what's dominating the headlines right now. It's Ronaldo's decision to stay at Real Madrid or, or leave Real Madrid because ultimately if he makes any sort of noise in, ter in, ter in terms of really anything, let alone um, the status of, of where he wants to be or where he wants to move next since he has been you know, one of the two best players in the world for a number of years now, it does dominate the headlines. But something that we... I think has been vastly underreported for for a number of different reasons. Some legitimate, some a little shadier. You know, and that, that's obviously my own opinion. Is is something that came out from Der Spiegel, which is a pretty well respected newspaper within Germany, which contains you know WikiLeaks came out, and there was a lot of dirty laundry aired of, of politicians and other high level corporate people. But then um, the football leaks came out as well and it, it contained a lot of personal information from contract no negotiations to a lot of personal information for professional footballers and one of those things was uh, a rape allegation or an outside of court settled rape allegation um, concerning Cristiano Ronaldo back in 2010 and it's something that I think we need to talk about because as I'm saying this I think there are going to be people that are listening to the podcast who imagine that I have some sort of agenda against Real Madrid or Ronaldo and the fact that I even have to clarify that I don't and that I'm simply talking about it from a perspective of, of a person caring about another person who's a victim of or possibly a victim of rape is is part of the problem and I think all these images that we sort of conjure up these narratives possibly created by you know the lawyers that there are people out there who would seek to and I'm not saying there aren't but there are people out there who would seek to only make this up so that they can get X amount of money from Ronaldo is a negative part of the rape culture that I think is prominent within our society today and it's important that we respect and we I guess yeah we, we pay the most amount of respect that we can to someone that's possibly been affected in a major way and, and sexually assaulted by someone that I think a lot of people have a really positive image of and and the first thing that we do when he, we hear these stories is point to his philanthropic efforts and I'm not saying you know he hasn't done amazing things for the misfortunate but we also have to look at these things with the same lens you know hello yeah can you hear me yeah yeah keep going you're doing good um, so, so it's with that. It's with that that I think we, you know, if anyone else were really, if if these allegations were around anyone else, then we would have we would take them with a uh, with extreme severity. But I think since so many people look up to Ronaldo in a number of ways, and since so many people have such a positive image of him, and he's a hero, and and he's done all these great things, and that doesn't take that doesn't necessarily take away from those things, but because people are in love with Ronaldo, and we create these personas in our head of people that we've never met and probably are never going to meet, that it, it, it falls very close to home because there are kids out there that I'm sure their entire life or a large portion of their young lives has been inspired by this guy and everything that he's been able to do on the pitch. But we also have to look at it as he's possibly someone that has committed a, a very serious degree of sexual assault against someone. And the fact that it can be covered up because he has an enormous amount of money, an enormous amount of sway within the media is something that we we don't pay enough attention to. And that's the thing about football is that we love it and I love it. I love it so much, you know. I that's I've literally chosen to pursue that as a part of my career because I am 
absolutely in love with the game, but I will be the first person to admit that I don't pay enough attention to the things in football, like the corruption at FIFA and all the, the things surrounding the different World Cups and stuff like that, that I should, because that needs to be paid attention to. And this is another one of those things that even though we use football as an escape, it involves real people, it involves bad things that are happening, and we need to hold these people accountable. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's also the, you know, the commercialization of those sort of things, which is a tricky side as well, because it definitely changes people's uh, perception of it. You know, I, we were sort of talking about earlier with Infantino and um, some of the elements of, um, you know, people people being investigated, those kind of things. And also uh, the fact that some people just don't want to hear this kind of stuff. Some people, you know, they'll make up anything in order not to here um, or maybe the things that make them feel uncomfortable because football doesn't make them feel uncomfortable um also because some people don't acknowledge it as an issue uh i guess this is, this is part of the problem is when you know it's very easy for everyone to sort of agree well you know 90 minutes or whatever we can agree that everyone should play to that but um you know there's a lot of other things in the game that maybe seem a little bit more um tricky to or tricky to work out either way um but it's certainly uh, good highlight on the podcast. Um, Nico, where are you going to take me next? Where am I going to take you next? We'll we'll go to uh, lighter waters here. Danny Elvis to Manchester City is is an interesting a dream for you in many ways. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've always liked Danny Elvis. I think his his usage under Pep Guardiola when he was at Barcelona was immense. I mean, it's so difficult to sort of replicate the the impact and the ability that the dual threat that someone like Danny Alves and also Jordi Alba provided because of the roles that they're asked to, I guess, encompass within Guardiola's system is, I think, is what made some of that football so fantastic to watch. I mean, how many times did we see Danny Alves or Jordi Alba through on goal because of some, like, ridiculous passing, you know, move before that? And and it was just so incredible to see, like, fullbacks in those positions. But um, I think with him going to Manchester City... A lot of the things that I've been hearing about sort of in responses to me and my opinions of it on Twitter are that we can't really forget that his role at Juventus wasn't really as a right back. It was sort of as like a right wing, right wing back type of player that didn't really occupy a traditional right back role. And also, he had a very good end of season. He had a very, not a very poor, but relatively poor beginning to middle of season, including an injury. So it's not like he's by far and away the best right back in the world, considering he didn't even play that position for the majority of this season. So also the case that obviously, um, you know, he, he there's a reason Juventus was so not willing, but you know, there's a reason they let him go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, well, is it, has the transfer been confirmed? I haven't seen anything official from Manchester City, but if no, I think but if I the think it's relatively is soon, isn't it? Yeah, I think if the I mean, if, the, if by rule of thumb, I think if the Guardian or or ESPN FC is like officially reporting on something, then it's usually pretty close to being done. Um, but I'm not against the transfer, especially if it is for the reported price of $5 million. You know, that's a pretty good deal for a player that can offer a lot. But I also think the best way to utilize Danny Alves would be in a rotational sense because it's not really going to be... It, it's difficult to justify a club at any given price, especially one of Manchester City's perception buying a 34-year-old. You know, we're pla- we're replacing a 34-year-old with a 34-year-old, which is pretty odd. And even if he yeah, does... Yeah, a very different skill set and also someone who's maybe a little bit more au fait. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that's part of the reason is that 
even if, even using him as I think we best should and I think as we will in sort of a rotational aspect, there's a reason he's being brought in. It's because Bakary Sanya and Pablo Zavaleta, as good as they were and as how hard as they tried, they couldn't necessarily ever really perform the inverted fullback or the right wing back or whatever Pep Guardiola wanted to do to the you know to the extent that he was comfortable with. And even if we're bringing him as him in as a backup. I think it's it's a good move, but also we we have to remember that he does he's not homegrown. Obviously, he takes up he's probably going to have some pretty high wages or or some considerable wages, and also he's thirty four, so it's going to be difficult to to sell that on to someone. Um, but with all that being considered, I think I think it's a pretty decent move if we can use him correctly. I like it. Uh, I look forward to seeing Danny Alves in Sky Blue because it looks relatively close to being done um nico we go from manchester to we go from manchester's to real madrid Ooh, go how do you on. like that how do you like that that plane flight well, i think it's a short plane flight right um i mean relative uh, you know it's maybe two 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 and a bit hours to get to Madrid. maybe a little bit less depends That's where you're flying insane. from it's just insane from it's yeah. just insane to me the 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 brief nature in which you you brits can travel to the rest of europe like i think from orlando to california is like six hours which is pretty insane it's the same country but anyways um i mean yeah but i mean it's not the same country it's the same continent really isn't it but should be a different country if 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 california got calexit calexit that's what's up next yeah but uh we go to we go to real madrid to uh, talk about a question that was sent in, and I didn't write any of these people's names down, by the way, so I'm sorry to you guys, but we, you are appreciated for, for bringing in your, your comments and your questions. But should Real Madrid buy a backup center back with Pepe leaving to China? Yes, I believe they should. I think one of the core concepts, one of the core tactical concepts that Real Madrid have used... This, this was Luke Dorr, by the way. Luke Dorr, good, good question. Um, have used to their, you know, for the, to their benefit for a number of years now is their ability to compact the play which is something that I talked about in my most recent article um, concerning Napoli, so go check that out if you want to. But the, the advantage of that is, is you know, obviously compacting the play is they can shrink the relative size of the pitch to a really small level, which to a certain extent doesn't necessarily help them pass the ball super well, but with the talented players that they have, they can manage and also it helps them counter-press um, really easily and also invites the long ball over the top, which they can get away with with extremely athletic center backs and fullbacks, which they've had in Carjabal and Marcelo and Sergio Ramos and, and Varane. But Nacho, for as good as he is, and, and he's someone that I've seen grow from Castilla to Real Madrid first team, is someone that I think doesn't really fit that mold. He doesn't really fit the Ramos or Varane, Pepe, athletic center back mold that can cover a 40 yard backspace so as good as he is and as much as he deserves to have a role within that team I think having a player that's more in the Varane mold more in, of an athletic mold um, would be better for Real Madrid's overall tactical I guess identity that they've that they've so, that they've kept over the the past you know 10 years mm, okay where do you want to finish this Last question um, concerning Moussa Dembele. Someone asking, you know, he's their favorite player and was really wondering why he hasn't seen the pitch as much. It's unfortunately because of a... Who's a favorite player is Moussa Dembele? 
I think John McKenzie, uh, which someone that I did wow. a podcast recently, he uh, great he, guy. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was on the team suddenly of John it podcast. validates it. I mean, this is weird. <laughs> like normally, I'm not sw- swayed, but I'm for it now. <laughs> Do you not like Mr. Neville? He was at one point one of my favorite players. It's not that I don't like him. It's just more sort of like, I mean, I know. Uh, it's not. It's not that I don't like him. It's. Mm-hmm. It's more just like you just sort of think, well, who who does like Moussa Dembele? Do you know who, who, who's your favorite player? I mean, besides Chabi Alonso. I mean, right, okay. Um, I mean, people recently have been talking a lot of uh, shit about Kante sort of bringing this busy role into the league. Mm-hmm. Everyone forgot Javier Mascherano in a yeah. split second. So, yeah. you know, Javier but they're very different. a great guy. I mean, yeah, but Javier was busy in his own way. I think Javier Mastrano is someone that I immensely enjoy from a defensive perspective and also when he plays in midfield because I think he does a lot of what Kante can do, but he also has, he can pass pretty well. I've seen some excellent passes from Javier Mastrano. Yeah, and what I love about him is he's just a fearless player. Yeah, and he's so Uh, small. (laughs) It's so fun to watch. Yeah, and and that's what I love about him is he's, he's, he's plucky. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyway, do do go on. Um, so yeah, it's it's the same issue. It's a similar issue to to Eric Lamella in the sense that it's a I think it's a very specific hip issue as to why Musa Dembele hasn't been able to even complete ninety minutes of fitness towards the end of the season. That's one thing that Mauricio Pochettino said in a, in a press conference was that you know unfortunately we can't even get Musa to to do ninety minutes not because he doesn't want to or because. Uh, fitness-wise, in terms of uh, fatigue and stuff like that, he can't. But um, it's because of a, a of a foot or a hip issue or both. And it's, I think it's intelligent from Spurs to do that because it's a club that maybe doesn't want to spend a lot in the transfer market. You know, you have these two entities that in Lamella and Dembele that have worked so well under Pochettino that instead of maybe going out into the transfer market and spending big on, on a gamble on a player that you don't know whether they're going to take or not, like, for example, Musa Sissoko or Vincent Janssen, you know, you invest medically and, and see and give these t- these guys as much time as they need. Eric Lamella has been given almost this entire year to recover from, from his, his hip injury and, and even allowed to go back to uh, Roma to recover because I think he preferred it and sort of you know keeping that investment within that and, and investing in those players that you currently have instead of maybe going elsewhere when when a player shows um, significant injuries is one of those things that has paid off in the past for other clubs if you look at Tiago Alcantara um, who's another one of my favorite players he was injured they did a special at Bayern Munich on him and they called it 360 they called it three hundred and it was it was a num it was the day of it was the number of days that he was injured, and because he got in he had a major knee injury and then he re-injured it like right after he came back so he was out for almost a full calendar year, and they invested in him and they gave him all the <clears throat> excuse me the Time treatment that 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 he needed, um, and he I mean they they're reaping the benefits and and that's something like we were talking about before you know a lot of players are motivated by business decisions if a club can show a player that they really do care um, even after a significant injury then I think that does build a little bit of repertoire between the two and and maybe they'll take less money in the future or, or whatever you know so if you can build that relationship between club and player in a positive way then I think there there are there are things to be benefited because of that. Nico, it's been good to have you on the podcast. If people want to go find you, they can go find you on Twitter under Nico underscore O Morales. Also, I think you can check out the 
the Front 3 YouTube channel. We're going to be doing a, a video pretty soon here. Um, sure are. So, so check that out. It's going to be fun. Go check it. Uh, and we'll see you again real soon uh, with Nico right here. Is there any other news in the football world? Uh, no, I think we've touched on most of it. The Messi, Messi's um, got 50 mil from Barca to pay his tax bill. Wait, what? Um, Have you been watching the Confederations Cup? Nope. I've not watched any football. I watched the highlights to the under-21s, but that's about it. Uh, Leeds, Ranieri. um, Luka Modric is under investigation for suspected perjury. Perjury? In the... Yeah. He's supporting a... He supports a very prominent figure in Croatian football who is said to be dodgier than a nine-bob note. Right. How does he support him? Um, well, he, it's a long story, but basically when Modric left Dinamo, this guy, I think his name is Mamic, was, was a Mamic. senior figure on the board and they had agreed some contract between them that uh, Mamic would support Modric's career. So Modric got about 10 million of the transfer fee that Spurs paid and he only ended up keeping about 1.7 million. The rest went to Mamic. Right, and it's it's claimed or it's alleged against Mamic that he agreed this contract after Modric was sold, but Modric has spoken up for him in court, saying no, no, this was all signed before, and it's that's where the perjury element comes in because it's being alleged now that Modric is lying to cover up for Mamic because Mamic has supported his career. Of course, yeah, okay, uh, right. Well, that certainly is that is. That's fascinating and stuff. It's 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 essentially turned a, a good amount of Croatia, specifically um, football supporters, against Modric. Of course, it's all alleged, and Modric is somewhat of a hero. I mean, he's you know a lot of people's heroes in Madrid, let alone and I suppose I guess let alone in Croatia. Well, that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's turned them against. I think some some football fans graffitied. There's a mural of of Modric somewhere in Croatia. Right. I can't remember where it might be in, in Dinamo or Hajduk or somewhere like that. And uh, in split even, and they essentially graffitied it with uh, the phrase "You'll remember this" or something like that across it. Wow. Okay, um, that's big. Um, should we? Uh, should we also talk about? Um, I mean, uh, Infantino's under investigation now. Uh, on FIFA I don't side. know anything about Infantino personally. I know a bit about Modric, but not Infantino. I haven't okay. read anything on that. Uh, Infantino uh, is faced with an investigation for alleged malpractice. That's probably about as far as the headline goes. I mean, we can't really go much further than that. And then Seb Blatter with the lovely headline today on the front of The Guardian. Why the, high sh- well, why the hell should I bear all the blame? You were in charge of the organisation at the time. Um, <laughs> that's why you will bear all the blame. That's so I didn't see you shout an iceberg. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, all I saw was you taking the money out of the iceberg. Um, and then, I guess this one's an interesting one, isn't it, Dave? Um, Chelsea, uh, obviously, have got to launch their new kit. Now, this is a, one of those classic things. Manchester United had it when they launched with Adidas, um, and Chelsea are having the same situation now. That The big... Uh, you know, uh, designers who are taking over are now saying um, don't launch any of the new players don't reveal any of them until the 1st of July when we can put them adorned in the Nike tick yeah 
<laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's funny how this sort of like politics works. You know, the other one for United, they had Rooney in a, in a kit launch. You know, the the grey United kit. Yeah. And they've um, they photoshopped him out now, so he's no longer in that picture. But it is quite funny that he's the power of sponsorship on new football shirts. It's, it's kind of fair enough, you know, if you sign the deal for the new season that they are sponsoring Chelsea from that time, it kind of makes sense in terms of a you know business perspective, and the window isn't really open. So it's kind of you know it does it does make hundred percent sense, but it's just a it's a weird tangent of the game that's creeping in. It's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, Conte's definitely got to add to this squad if he wants to do something in the Champions League next season. Um, but it's also funny because so many of the papers are using it as well, just using it as paper fodder, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they exactly are. that. They are. It's a bit of, an, it's a, bit of a weird one. Um, uh, now, uh, Chris, is Pickford worth thirty million? Yes. Right. Well, uh, go on. He's. I mean, the thing is, you, you talk about Donnarumma and all this going for insane amounts of money. For me, Pickford's shown a fantastic shot-stopping ability, first and foremost, a good ability to handle pressure. I think his distribution actually is very good. And if you look at it, if you look at it almost in American sporting terms, you've probably got him for a good 10 years, unless someone bigger comes and buys him. You're paying about $3 million a year for a very good reliable goalkeeper. I don't think that's a bad thing when you look at the struggles that they've had of late Everton, because Joel Robles was very hit and miss. Tim Howard was, I think, past it, if I'm if I'm being brutally honest. And then, you know, before that, you had Howard for a long time. But again, even he hung on for too long. So the last few years, the Martinez era and even this Corman era, with I think it's Stickellenberg and, and Robles that have interchanged, hasn't been that consistent. So I don't blame them for, for going out and splashing some money on a good goalkeeper like Pickford. A, a big, a, a, just on a, um, and obviously it's a subjective level, but from an objective side... Better signing than Mignolet? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I think he's a better goalkeeper than Mignolet. I mean, the price is obviously a little bit different, but yeah, I think he's a much better goalkeeper than Mignolet. Interesting. Okay, fair enough. Um, elsewhere, obviously Salah could be on... We've, we've already discussed this a little bit on a previous podcast. Uh, Salah could be on his way to Liverpool, which really would be fascinating. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't want to talk about that one too much because it's not... It, until the players holding the shirt at Liverpool at the moment, you don't really know what's going on at that club, uh, especially after the big media lockdown that's been going on. Dave, would you like to see Joe Hart as much as Jose Mourinho would at Manchester United? Because he's genuinely interested in him, and apparently he would love to sign him. Well, nah, David is staying, unfortunately. He's not allowed to go back to Madrid, unfortunately. His girlfriend's going to be upset for another summer. But what if you uh, had Joe De Hart? You can't sign players from rival clubs, Lawrence. They, Mourinho when, wouldn't they, do it. We're signing it from Torino. Come on, mate. Torino's not a rival club for Manchester. No, but you see, that's not that's not the permanent deal, though, is it, Lawrence? Um, it'd be meaning to to buy a Manchester City player, which I am against, unfortunately. So I, I don't want to see this deal to go through. Um, I don't know what Joe Hart's going to do next, to be honest. He had a pretty averagely poor season at Torino. Um, he's tried it abroad, hasn't really worked out for him. What does he do next? It must be very difficult, though, uh, to go from Man City, Man City where uh, it's a very different kind of goalkeeping, to Torino, a big culture change, but also a, um, a very different kind of football played. Yeah, I think tactically, Joe Hart probably learned quite a bit uh, in Italy um, in terms of the defences and how they set up. The problem with Torino, they were quite open. They're quite an open side. They're very good going forward, but defensively they were quite poor. So yeah, one he didn't get the protection, but also he didn't put himself in glory. You know, expect keepers who don't get much protection and see a lot of shots, at, you know, high shot volume at their goal to kind of 
come out and look really good. And it's kind of the other, the opposite way for Joe Arts. It's a bit of a weird one again. Yeah, you almost saying bad career choice. He should have just signed for Liverpool straight away. Yeah, it really probably would have benefited him to sign for Liverpool, wouldn't it? Um, or maybe I think his, his ego and, and Klopp's ego would have come, you know, hand in hand, and they would have been perfect together. Uh, do you think Klopp's a big ego? I'd say he's a big personality. Right. Okay, I'd say he's got a big ego in the dressing room. I'd say he's a, you know, he dominates the dressing room, and I think some, someone like Joe Hart would would be in there too. I can't really see many players at Liverpool. Um, in that in this current squad that seemed to you know that would dominate the the dressing room as, as much as someone like Joe Hart would, it is a bit of a weird one because you also saw saw the same at Borussia Dortmund as well with uh, that side. There weren't many guys who you'd imagine had huge egos. They all looked like fairly sort of humble players when you look back. But they were all you had, leaders you, in other ways. Captains, though, didn't you? You'd had like someone like Sebastian Kell who was there pretty much for the whole. Well, he was there for the whole entire of Klopp's reign. So he was a captain, he was a leader, it was easy for Klopp to, you know, he could bounce off him and, and so forth. It just and a more like experienced Liverpool. player as well by the end. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really have that. You know, you'd say James Milner, but how much of a leader is James Milner? Henderson's definitely um, seen as a leader within Liverpool, but yeah, I don't know how Yeah, much exactly. Henderson's the guy and Henderson and Joe Hart get on very well. It just, it just seems like a really, like why Liverpool didn't make it their priority last summer and then why Joe Hart decided to go abroad. I understand why he went abroad, but at the same time... The move was that the move could have been there if he tried to force it. it would you also, I also think there was definitely a preference for Joe Hart not to stay in the Premier League from Man City's side. Because obviously if you let, you know, it would have been terrible yeah. if Joe Hart had been doing a good job whilst their new signing was doing a terrible job. You never yeah, I mean, mm. it does make sense. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's one of these things where it's weird business. You know, Joe Hart, what Joe Hart has done for Manchester City, surely if he was to say to them, look, I want to go to Liverpool, set my heart on Liverpool... It would be wrong of them to stand in his way at that point. Yeah. Uh, who else? Who else said they'd set their hearts on them? We said it was wrong for someone to stand in the way of them. I can't remember who it is now, but um, there it is. And let's finish on a lovely story. The Italian coach is it Davi Nicola? Nicola. Apparently, he's uh, cyc- uh, cycled one thousand three hundred kilometers by bike. Um, it was it was to highlight um, the road safety uh, ideas that after three years after the death of his son. Um, it, it's certainly a very interesting story. I mean, it's one, it's one, it's it's just a very sweet story, really. Um, basically, uh, his team looked as if they were going to be relegated not very long ago, and then um, he said he'd ride basically uh, from I think he said from his hometown. I don't know where that was at the time, but to Turin if they didn't go down and they didn't go down now to be fair to him uh, he's had quite a bit of the summer but he's done it fairly early so this is great he knows now he can get his transfers done yeah it took him nine days which is pretty quick as well it is impressive maybe he was doing his transfers on the bike good point you gotta check which cities he's going from see if there's any recruitment there yeah I mean maybe he did go via Milan or sort of you know via I mean I suppose if he's going to Turin he's he's sounding out Danny Alves Mm, I'd say so maybe get Dybala as well I always yeah. thought Cortona are going to sign um, Dybala at some point. It always has to be someone who has the same amount of syllables in their name. Um, what about, Dave, though, Alexandro? Do you think Chelsea could get their man there? I don't think so. Why would Alexandro want to leave? He's had a fantastic season for Juve. He's probably been their best player, or you know, he's up there with the top three players at Juve this season. Just seems a bit of an odd one to move to Chelsea um, right now. 
think Chelsea maybe you know they're going to spend big on him. He's a very very good, very very good player. Would be perfect as a wing back, but it just seems like a weird move for him personally, considering what he achieved at Juve this season and what he will achieve at Juve next season as well. Also, Let's not write Allegri off just because he lost the Champions League final. Oh no, I don't think anyone is writing Allegri off at this point. But it, it it does certainly feel like there is a sense of stagnation, maybe somewhat at Juventus from other sides. Um, um, you know, maybe they could unsettle a few players if there's a few new exciting projects. Uh, maybe not least though the fact that uh, Conte has unsettled himself might be putting players off signing at the moment. Um, let's finish there. Uh, it's been really good to have you guys on the podcast today. If you've got anything you want to hear us discuss on the podcast, you can tweet us at the front three. Well worth a tweet. Uh, you can also tweet Statman Dave. Is it just at Statman Dave? Yeah, I think so. I don't think Twitter have, the Twitter have got a new app, new uh, update on the mobile app, which looks very nice. A new update on the desktop app, but I don't think they've changed the at type of stuff. So I, it's at the front three still, right? I was, yeah, I wasn't 100% sure that I actually liked the look of the update yet, but we'll, I'll give it a little time to sink in. Um, I don't know. It just looks, okay, looks a bit more basic. Right. I like what we had before. No one likes change. Um, anyways, fine. Uh, Chris, what about you? Where can people find you? Um, at the front three. Excellent work. And of course, at K Henage, K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. Go find us all on Twitter. Um, and of course, you can find Adam Bolt with me, Camarellas, and everyone else there uh, through the links in the description. Thank you very much for joining us today. Go find our YouTube where you'll be able to find the match highlights of the league that we're currently playing in. This week, Dave kicks a ball off the head of his own goalkeeper to clear it. It really is compelling stuff, Dave. It's special. Something that, you know, you can't teach that. Uh, in, in the <laughs> you definitely can't um, in the coming week though we will get some more analysis on the team from Dave Dave will you join us for week two for the analysis yes I will great uh, now Dave is off to Turkish TV Dave uh, can people see that around the world or is it just in Turkey I think it's around the world TRT world I don't know how you find it I think you find it on the internet but it is obviously our broadcast in Turkey okay uh, well if you're in Turkey let us know what Dave looks like in full HD um and if sweat, of course, is as visible on the camera as it is in real life. Uh, Dave, you are going to take a change of shirt. I think so, but I'm not too sure right now. I'm, I've, got a lot, I've got a short sleeve shirt. Okay. And it's quite easy. Is it a Farrow one? Yeah, it's the, the Farrow one. I'm thinking if I put yeah. a long sleeve shirt anyway when I'm on set, it's going to be too hot. Classic. Okay, well, uh, of course, now, you, Dave, please do tweet. Hashtag long sleeve, hashtag, hashtag short sleeve for what you uh, do. Oh, it's the excitement of that. Um, and the whole will, of course, follow that. We'll see you again real soon right here on TF3. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.